0: Turn with me to Matthew, the seventh chapter, please. Last time I was with you, we were ministering on these great truths that Jesus brought up here. And uh, it's entirely appropriate with what the Lord has done for us that we think about these things and talk about these things. The reason that we are so blessed, church, is not because we've done everything perfectly. Not because we're smarter than other people. Or necessarily more spiritual or, or have more faith. or <laughs> Why? It is truly. It's not trying to be humble now. That's just the way it is it is truly because of the grace of God and the mercy and goodness of God. Because there's a thousand ways we could have messed this up. Me and you. But we're here today, blessed, rejoicing, hallelujah, prosperous, reaching people with the word of God. And excited about our future because of God's grace and his mercy and his kindness. Now, One of the chief things that will qualify you for that is that you and I sow mercy. If we stop showing mercy to others, we're going to stop getting mercy for ourselves. That's not my opinion. That's Scripture. In Matthew 7, are you there? Matthew 7. How many would agree whatever we've done right that God could bless, we want to do it some more? Would you agree? (laughs) Anything that we've done wrong that hindered Him, we want to get rid of that. Right? Matthew 7 and 1. What does it say? Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Is that true or not? Is it true or not? If you judge other people, what's going to happen to you? Is that good or bad? Do you care if you get judged or not? You should. You should be greatly interested. In doing whatever you could do to avoid being judged. Now at this point, some people would interject, well, Jesus was judged in my place. I can't be judged. You're wrong. You're wrong. He was judged in our place. But he himself said, if you won't forgive, your father won't forgive you. Now we there, there, at some point we need to get into this in detail. But there's a reason why the New Testament commandment is love. It just shuts the door to the devil all around you when you walk in love with other people. And when you walk in love, your faith works. And by faith, we can access all that grace has so freely given us and not be judged. But if you choose not to walk in love, And you choose to judge other people. Then you disqualify yourself. For the grace and mercy. If God has shown grace and mercy to you. How many understand? It's hypocritical. Not to show that same mercy and grace. To somebody else. And after God has been gracious and kind and merciful to us, if we turn around to somebody else and say, I'm not going to be merciful to you, I'm not going to forgive you, then at that time and that point, we disqualify ourselves from what Jesus has bought and paid for. I know that's a big statement, but is it the scripture or not? Yes. If you know the word, you know what we're saying. It's scripture, scripture, scripture. But all you got to do is look right here. Verse 1. Do what? Judge not. not. Why? Not just because it's the nice Christian thing to do. Why why, why don't judge? So you won't be judged. Then could you be judged? Even after what Jesus has done for us? Yes. Yes. How? Why? If we choose to judge instead of love. If we choose to hold grudges instead of forgive, if we choose to be cruel instead of kind, then we forfeit what should be ours in forgiveness and kindness. Now, if you think you don't agree with that, forget about me and agreeing with me. Put your nose in this book and see if it says it or not. And if you want to just keep coming for a few Sundays, we'll cover it. We'll give you a bucket full of scriptures. (laughs) Judge not that you be not judged. Keep going. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. If Jesus said you shall be judged, should you believe that? And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. Again. And why beholdest the mote that is in your brother's eye? But consider, it's not the beam that is in your own eye. Or how will you say to your brother, "Let me pull out the mote out of your eye"? And behold, a beam is in your own eye. He's talking about a speck versus a plank. Verse five: You hypocrite! Now, this is one of the big truths that we should let get in our spirit, in order to judge. You have to act a hypocrite. In order to judge another person, you have to act hypocritically. Every time. Every time. If you're judging somebody, you're being a hypocrite. Every time. He said, you hypocrite, first cast out of the beam out of your own eye. The only way you wouldn't be a hypocrite in judging somebody else is if you never had had anything in your eye. Right. And nobody here can say they never had anything in their eye. Some speck, some problem, some failure, some mistake, some sin. Nobody can ever say that. Why you worked up about what they did. what they do? Sinned just like You. So in order to judge them, you have to act like you didn't do anything like that and be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite, do you? No. You hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to cast out the mote out of your brother's eye. this is one of the biggest failures of the church being a witness to the world, to the ungodly. You talk to just about any person who's not a believer, who doesn't go to church. You won't talk to them long about church until they will bring up to you some church people being judgmental or being hypocritical. Is that right? I see heads nodding everywhere. You know this is one of the central issues. And you know, it doesn't justify people who don't believe in God and don't serve God because I don't care what people ever did to you, that wasn't God. God never been hypocritical to you. God never failed you. But people use the actions of professing Christians and their failures to justify them not going to church, not serving God. They think it justifies them. They'll find out one day that it doesn't. But you and I, we we can't control everybody, but we can get a hold of ourselves and stop this blemish on Christian witness. What? Number one, don't judge people. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they're doing. I can't stand that though. Well, how do you think God's felt about some of your stuff? It just makes me sick. Sin is sin. Has to do with the heart. I don't care what people are doing. I'm talking about backslid people. I'm talking about people don't even profess to believe in God. I don't care how crooked, how distorted, how perverted, how ungodly it may be. You don't have to like it. Certainly don't agree with it or participate in it. But nor do you have to judge them. Do not judge them for what they're doing. Because it's not the big problem. I've seen preachers argue with folks about "This this is a sin, this is a sin, this is a sin, this is a sin, this is not right, you shouldn't be this way, you shouldn't live this way, you shouldn't do these things, and not realize they don't care. They don't care what you call a sin. You can argue till you turn blue. You can quote all the verses you want to. They don't care. That's not their problem. Their issue is they don't know God. And they don't care enough about what He wants for their life to even consider any changes. And until that happens, you are wasting your breath talking about what's right and what's wrong and this is a sin and this is not a sin yes. That's right. and so many Christians and church going people have just been deaf against this is, this is sin, this is sin, this is sin God did not call us to point out people's sin to them. That's right. nor to judge how evil it is and how bad it is now this is a revolutionary idea Amongst many Christians. But that's not our call. That's not our purpose. Here's the great truth you can despise what they're doing, but love them. And you don't have to say anything about what they're doing or not doing, realizing that's not the issue. You get the worst person on the planet to God, saved, washed in the blood, filled with the spirit, get them full of the word of God, get them praying and feeding in the word regular, loving God, and him telling them, I want you to change this, I want you to do this, come on into this, this will please me, totally different person, totally different man or woman, but all of the condemning, and judging, and rioting, and fault-finding in the world is not going to help them. In fact, it's going to drive a wedge between you and them and cause them to want to stay as far away from you and people like you as possible. Mm -hmm. And what has made it worse is that people have been adamant. This is sin. God hates this. God hates this. And, And people are going to hell because of this. And in here, two or three years later, people find out They were doing it. The Christians, the preachers, they were so adamant against it and so death against it. They were doing the same sins, and that makes the world just throw up their hands and cuss. Is that right? And go, there is nothing to all that junk. Why? Judging and hypocrisy. If anybody wants to talk to us about sin. Our immediate response should be, I've made lots of mistakes myself. If it hadn't been for the mercy of the Lord, I'd be in the gutter today. Up to my eyeballs in sin. Thank God. And I hadn't arrived. He, uh, You know, every so often I get light and realize, whew, I need to quit doing this too. I need to, I need to, right, come up to another level. No judgment and no hypocrisy about what we've done and where we are. If we'll get rid of these two things, our light will begin to shine. Is that right? And it won't push people away. It'll draw folks in. It's the goodness of God. Goodness of God that draws people, leads them to repentance. Go with me, please, over to the book of uh, Romans. Romans chapter 14 once you pray it out loud, say it out loud from your heart, Father God, Father God forgive, us forgive us for judging others, for judging acting, hypocritically, acting about hypocritically about our own sins, our own sins. And, enlighten and enlighten us. Put a watch at the door of our mouth. Of our mouth. Alert, us Alert us that we be aware that we and go forward, and go forward from, this day, from this day judging no man, judging no, man, judging no woman, judging no woman and, not and not acting hypocritically or falsely, or falsely about ourselves, about ourselves that, we honest, that we may be honest and a true light, a true light in the darkness in the dark. before, the ungodly, before the ungodly and that they may see you, and may see you in us. In Your love. Your kindness. Your goodness. Your your forgiveness. Your your grace. grace. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Have you perceived we are on a quest to stamp out judging around here. Have you perceived it? I mean get rid of it. Get rid of it. Now, if you hadn't been around, you might not realize. You might think, "Well, yeah, boy, I, I always didn't like people judging." And, and uh, usually, when people say that, they mean, "Don't judge me." <laughs> but if you say anything to somebody about judging, what's usually their response? I, I mean, almost every time, "Well, don't don't judge." What do people usually say? "Oh, I I wasn't judging. I was just." And if you hear if you believe everything people say, you would you would believe. Uh, Well, why did Jesus even bring that up? Because nobody's judging anyway. It's just not really a problem. (laughs) The truth is, I would be very surprised and impressed if you didn't judge several people this past week. The problem is, folks are not calling it judging. And it's happening right and left. And the terrible result is, if you judge, what's going to happen to you? You will get judged. Which means the enemy will get access to you. Serious business. I want to shut all the doors. How about you? I, I want to slam all the doors in the devil's face. And give him no place. No place. No access to me. And it will happen. By not judging others. And by judging myself in Romans 14 are you there verse one 14 one Romans he that's weak in the faith receive ye but not to doubtful disputations it's not our job to correct everybody I don't want everybody to say that out loud three or four or ten times everybody said out loud, it is not my job to correct, to correct everybody. Come on, say it again. It is not my job. It is not my place. To correct everybody. To correct everybody. It, doesn't it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I know. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what they need. It, what they need. It, is not my job it is not my job. To correct people. To correct people. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Why? So many times what people are calling, they wouldn't call it judging, but in their effort to correct folks, they're judging them. They're finding fault. And they're making accusation. And the devil is the accuser of the brethren. You don't have any part of that. Well, what can we say and how can we come across? And how do we judge things instead of people? Glad you mentioned that. We're going to get to that eventually. <laughs> but not today. <laughs> The scriptures talk about that. But we need to get one thing settled at a time. Verse 3. Let not him that eats. Despise him that eats not. Let not him which eats not. Judge him that eats. For God has received him. See. People. There was controversy in the church here. About what you could eat and what you couldn't. And people were offering These animals to false gods and idols. And then they would sell the meat in the market. And so people would come and buy meat that was actually part of an idolatrous, maybe even a demonic ritual. And so there were people that were on these soapboxes about about where you could buy your meat and where you couldn't get it and how you could do these things. And there were some folks that were saying, look, that don't bother me. You know, I take authority over that. And other folks said, oh, no, I wouldn't dare mess with that. And what's he saying? Don't you be their judge as to what they can do and what they can't do. Why? If you read this whole 14th chapter, he gets into conscience. One of the big reasons why you should not judge another person is because you do not know and cannot know, even if you've lived with them for 40 years, you cannot know their conscience. You do not know what they really see or what they don't see. Light of revelation from God. Which means you are unqualified to be their judge. Not to mention you failed yourself, which also disqualifies you. But uh, just because you've got a strong conviction about something does not mean you're supposed to impose that on other people around about you. Do they see what you see? Have they seen what you've seen? What you are so excited about that you see? Did you always see it? What about before you saw it? <laughs> but you'll see people. In fact, there was a fellow student of mine that I had it when I taught at Rainbow Bible Training Center. He, he and his wife, colorful, lovely people. Just they're how can I say it? Yeah. They are not dull. And uh, they invited me to come over. To the, their house, and and, and uh, we didn't always do that, but uh, there was some things that that worked out, and we were able to spend a little time with them. And and uh, the man began to tell me about what, what some things that happened to him before he came to Ramah. and they were just shocking. <laughs> he said he pastored, but he didn't know the word, didn't know anything about faith or love, bunch of tradition, and no word. He said one time the deacon board made him mad. And so he took to the pulpit that Sunday. And he said, I wish I had a pistol. (laughs) If I had a pistol up in this church, I'd just go, and he pointed his finger to the uh, deacons. One at a time. And he'd say, I'd go, pow, thank you, Lord. (laughs) He said, then I'd go, pow. Thank you, Lord. And he went, he went one by one past the deacons. And he said, then I said, Oh, oh, you don't like it? You don't like it? Meet me out in the parking lot after church. I'll meet you. And he said, uh, before that, he, uh, right before he, he went into that, he went into the ministry and he was smoking. He smoked a uh, heavy smoker cigarettes. And some way or another, he got free. He got delivered. He'd been trying to, and he quit smoking, got free. And the very next place he preached at, that was his sermon. <laughs> he, and in their particular denomination, a lot of people smoked. I mean, it was nothing thought about. I mean, it was just, in that particular place, the deacons smoked, and, and I think the preacher smoked. I mean, it was, it was pretty common. But he, that was his message. And he's been delivered all of about three weeks. And he went in there and he said, sin is sin. One sin's a sin, another sin's a sin. Smoking's sin. And said, "And he said, up in this church, you got the blind leading the blind. He said, the deacon smoke, preachers smoke. He said, y'all going to hell. I said, what'd they do with you? He said, well, the preacher got up behind me and said, well, our brother has brought what he felt like the Lord put on his heart. Let's take him up an offering. Oh. Woo! That's some spiritual folks there. But that is a prime example of he's been delivered three weeks. Right? And now he's going to judge everybody there. You have to be a hypocrite to do this. You cannot be honest and do this. And you can't be treating people in love and do this. Love doesn't want to condemn people. It wants people to be encouraged. Love doesn't want people to be discouraged and ready to give up and quit. Love wants people to see hope. That there's help. That there's a way out. Said another time, it is, not my job it is not my job to correct people, to, correct people, to straighten people out. Straighten people out. It's, not it's not my job. The New Testament commandment is not to judge or correct. What is it? It's to love. love. That's the commandment. That's the commandment. Value them, treat them like they matter, come across like you care because you do. Do what you can to help. Not to condemn. Not to judge. Not to straighten everybody out. Not to correct. Nobody appointed you the Holy Ghost police. (laughs) Come on, say it again. It's not my job. job To straighten people out. Verse 4. Who are you that judges another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Yea, he'll be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. Skip down to verse 10. Verse 10. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you sit at naught your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. As it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue shall confess, To God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We don't need to be thinking about straightening somebody else out. We need to live with the realization we will give an account of ourselves. How many know you got a full time job straightening yourself out? You just don't have time to straighten other people out. You got your hands full with you. (laughs) <laughs> you you have not arrived at Christ-like perfection. You still got some rough spots. Need to be smoothed out. <laughs> Need to judge yourself. Look in James, please. James, the fourth chapter. You, you'll see more than one place he asks this specific pointed question. James 4, 11, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. Again, you see the hypocrisy. If you judge somebody for something, and you get all animated about it and upset and, and, um, oh... What's, what's the word? You um, you set yourself above them haughtily, looking narrowly down on them. You're being a hypocrite. You're not doing what you claim they should be doing. You know, you people get upset with uh, especially ministers or, or churches that do anything other than feed people. Or help the poor. If you build a building or especially if you buy a piece of equipment like a plane or something like that, oh man, some people just pitch a fit. Why do they get so animated? Well, you know, so I've had people write me ugly letters before. And uh, I've grown up a little bit in the last few years. But especially years ago, my immediate response would be, what are you doing? You're all worked up about me. You don't even know what I'm doing. You don't know me. And yet what are you doing? And you'll have people who are doing absolutely nothing for the poor, feeding people, helping people, sending the gospel, and yet they get fighting mad over what they perceive to be somebody else's poor stewardship. You have to be a hypocrite to do that. Elsewise, if you were honest, when you saw something that bugged you some, your first question would be, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And if you refuse to ask that question and even look at that, then you choose to be dishonest and you choose to be a hypocrite. And uh, you're not going to give an account to the Lord for what I do. I'm not going to give an account to the Lord for what you do. But you are going to give an account before the Lord for what you did or didn't do. And I am for me. Like I said, you got a full-time job taking care of yourself. James 4, verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you that judges another? Verse 17 in that same chapter says, therefore to him that knows to do good, and does it not to him it is sin. He asked this question, and we can see this in more places. Who are you that judges another man's servant? This is not just a rhetorical question. When the Lord asks you a question, he expects you to answer it. What's he asking you? What qualifies you to judge them? Who do you think you are? What do you think you are? You can see from the Lord's perspective, it is ultimate arrogance and hypocrisy to judge another person. That's why He says, Who are you? Who do you think you are? Judging them. My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagan Sr., who's in heaven now, told of an experience that he had back in the earlier days of his ministry. He said he was in a particular denomination, and there was a conference and a meeting. And some of the ministers after a service were talking about, and one of them was talking, he walked up, and one of them was talking about a pastor who had been through a divorce, and there was some issues, you know, that went on there. Actually, his wife left him. And uh, then after some blinks of time, years of time, he had remarried. He had little kids, and she left the kids with him too. And they were talking negatively about him because in their particular denomination, you couldn't pastor a church if you had been divorced and some other things. And and yet he was, he was pastoring and he's remarried and he's, these things have happened. And some of them were talking negatively about it. And he walked up on the conversation and they asked him, had he heard about it? And did he know? And And he said, no, but he kind of, he's real young at this point and and they were all, you know, they were really down on this guy and and the stuff that he had done and hadn't done. And and he kind of just nodded his head and said, yeah, I don't don't know about him. And and so uh, later on that evening he came back, he was staying at a pastor's house in the guest room. And he said he had a supernatural experience. He was Dark in the room, sleepy. He said, All at once, the, the room filled up with light. And he thought somebody had turned the light on, but there was nobody in there. <laughs> he said, The room filled up with light. And uh, uh, he said, A voice spoke to him. Very, very clear and distinct to him. He said, Who are you that judges another man's servant? And it shook him. And again, the, uh, the voice said, Who are you? That judges another man's servant. And he said. Then the Lord asked him. said, Is he your servant or my servant? He said. Well Lord. He, he's not my servant. He'd have to be your servant. And he said. The Lord called his name. Brother so and so. And those preachers wouldn't even call him brother. They're speaking negatively about him. Called him. he said. Uh, he said. Is he your servant or my servant? He said. Well Lord. He's not my servant. He's your servant. He said, yes, he's my servant, and I'm able to make him stand. Yes, sir. That's good. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Come to find out, he did later, he didn't know anything about this man and his situation, which is again and again the case. People just run their mouth, and they just say things. That man, apparently, had done everything he could. To get his wife to stay. And to stay in the ministry. And she didn't want to live that life. And she didn't want to be in that situation. She wanted to go after the world. And the things of the world. And she left him. And she left those kids. And he did everything he knew. It wasn't in his power. He had been faithful apparently. He hadn't betrayed her. But now after years. He's got these babies. He's got these this church to pastor. And here's somebody that he meets. And and they do it the right way, and they're married, and they're happy, and the Lord's hand is on them. The Lord looks at the heart. Yeah. Amen. I said he looks at the heart. And again and again, you need to realize, no matter what you think you know about that situation, you don't know the whole story. You never know the whole story, and you certainly don't know people's hearts and what they knew and what they didn't know and why they did it and why they didn't do it you and I are completely unqualified to judge them. And if not for that reason alone, the other reason is that we have blown it and messed up 10,000 times ourselves, right? How dare we act superior and judge another man or woman like we haven't? It's just hypocrisy, just hypocrisy. He asked the question, who are you? Who are you? Brother Hagin said the Lord asked him personally, who are you? And he said, that fixed him. (laughs) And I I knew him, you know, for years. And I tell you what, you couldn't get him to talk about people. He just would not. He'd change the subject or he'd find somewhere else to go. He'd leave. It stuck with him the rest of his life that they're not my servant and I'm not their judge. And no matter what they've done, the Lord loves them. He's able to make them stand. Hallelujah. And shouldn't that be everybody's heart no matter how terribly somebody's messed up. We just want to see them come out. Right? We just want to see them come up and get free. Be okay. Be blessed. Go with me please to, I believe it's 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel 12 verse 1. David if you've been reading in the uh, our daily reading you remember that uh, there's a reference made to David that he walked before the Lord and pleased the Lord and kept all his ways all his life except <laughs> huh <laughs> that's it's it's sad that such a such a perfect record is blemished but except for the matter of Bathsheba the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. What had happened, uh, you've read it, you know it, while the uh, army was out on campaign, David stayed home this time. And he's up wandering around on top of his house one evening, and he spies a woman taking a bath. And of course his house is probably above everybody's house. Normally I guess it'd be a private place if you went up there, but he was able to see it. She was very attractive. and He sent and inquired about her. And they told him she's Uriah's wife. Well, Uriah, if you've read the other scriptures, was one of David's mighty men. And was a man of such integrity and honor that when he had an opportunity to come home and see his wife, He wouldn't because he knew everybody else was out in the field. He didn't feel right about having privileges they didn't have. And he was a man who fought to his death in honor, loyal to David, loyal to God, loyal to the leader, the commander of the forces. And David absolutely betrayed this man and set him up to die and took his wife evil. Can good people do bad things? Yeah, they can. Can yield to bad things. And uh, in the first verse here, the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him and he said, get the picture now, Nathan's a prophet, he's a man of God. Everybody knows he's an anointed man of God and he's there, I guess in David's Uh, Maybe his throne room in in wherever he's received. Probably other people there too. And he tells him about this situation. He says, there were two men in a city and, and one of them was rich and the other one was poor. And the rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. The poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb which he had bought and nourished up and it grew up together with him, with his children, it ate of his own food and drank of his own cup, lay in his bosom, was to him uh, as a daughter. And there was a traveler came to the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come to him, but took the poor man's lamb, took it and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man that has done this thing shall surely die. Verse 6. And he restored that lamb fourfold because he did this thing and he had no pity. He was cruel and had no pity. He's worthy to die. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. You are the man. Now, this is the perfect example of what we've been talking about all morning. Isn't it? Yes. David was, he was livid. He was wroth about this. And it was something he himself had done. How can you do that? How can you act like that? In the complete Jewish Bible, it says David exploded with anger against the man. And says, as Adonai lives, the man who did this deserves to die. The complete English version says, David was furious with the rich man and said, I swear by the living God, the man who did this deserves to die. He is ready. He's at the verge of having this man executed over a sheep. And he has the power to do it. All he's got to do is say, off with his head, whatever. Whatever. And yet, he himself has done that exact thing. He's a good man. And yet, he is acting a total hypocrite. How can this happen? You think we need to understand how this happens? How does this happen? It happens when you hide your sin instead of repent for your sin. David had done this thing, but he had not repented. He had not repented. He had hidden it. He thought only maybe a couple of people beside him, maybe one other person knew that would never tell and it was hidden. And when you hide something and don't deal with it and don't repent, it does not go away. And you are not okay. The scripture says in Proverbs that if you hide, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen, if you cover your sin, you will not prosper. But if you confess it and forsake it, you'll have mercy. You remember, we read in James that if you are a judge, you're not a doer. Did you hear that? And him that knows to do good and does it not to him, it is sin. If you've sinned and messed up, but all you did was hide it and cover it up. It's there, festering. And the way it'll come out many times is that a similar thing in somebody else's life will come up and you will explode. You will be death against them. You will be vehement against them. Why? Because the problem is, it's you that you don't like. You have done that very thing. Oh, the details might be different, but the coming down harsh, he's ready to execute this man. The coming down harsh, the fury, the anger, the resentment, the acting superior morally is all one big hypocritic falsehood. Can you see it, friends? And it's, if you cover it up and you pretend for days and months and years, then you purpose to not remember it. And what does the Bible say? If you don't walk in the light, if you're not a doer, you deceive yourself. Did you hear this, friends? You deceive yourself into thinking, I'm okay, I'm above that, pretending it never happened until you get to the place where you'll judge somebody harshly for doing the very same thing you did. Acting like you never did it. So when that happened. Nathan looked at him. and Said you're the man. You're the one that have done this thing. And he began to tell him. How displeased the Lord was over this thing. He said I gave you everything. I would have given you more. You didn't have to go take this man's What he had. Steal his wife. Steal his life. You had everything. And you went and took his. And he told him about what kind of judgment was going to come. See, he's ready to judge this man, isn't he? And what's actually ready to come on him? Judgment. If you judge, you'll be judged. But here's the redeeming thing. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. He's the king. He could have had Nathan thrown out. He could have done anything he wanted to. But man, whether he did it physically or not, he hit his knees. And he said, God, forgive me. I have sinned against the Lord. And just like that, the word of the Lord came to the prophet and said, you won't die. These things are going to happen. But how many understand, even though he did have to leave and he had to run, God brought him back. Is that right? Put him back on the throne. And he's still an honored man in the things of God to this day. Is that right? What if he hadn't repented? He was ready to judge another but he repented of that and he judged himself. So then he did not get judged to the full extent of what could have happened to him. What would have happened to him. In closing, look with me. In, I believe it's in Timothy. I know some of this is strong, but uh, it can change your life. Is that right? Hallelujah. Galatians 5, I think I can close with this. Let me go over again this slowly. Just because you have hidden something does not mean you've dealt with it or that you're okay. To repent means you confess before the Lord. You acknowledge what you have done and you repent. And if you sinned against people, many times you need to go to them too and make it right. And many people have not. All they have done is covered it up. And they would just want to pretend like it never happened. And these are also the folks that are exploding and judging others and being hypocritical. And if you do that, what's going to happen? You're going to get judged. The door is going to be open to the enemy. No, friend. You don't want to cover it up. You don't want to just hide it and pretend it never happened. It did happen. You want to repent. You want to stop judging anybody else. And you want to humble yourself and judge yourself before the Lord. And not just hide it, but get clean and get free. Hallelujah. Get clean. Let the blood cleanse you. That's not going to happen if you're pretending it didn't happen. And there are many cases where you need to go to people and you need to admit that you lied. And that you covered it up. Elsewhere, that thing is just going to keep on chewing in you. And it's just going to keep on being there. And you're going to keep on erupting and judging others. Now, you've seen this. If somebody, something's found out about what they did, a lot of times, what do they do? Well, what about you? What about you? What you did? Right? I mean, it's trying to judge them to get the light off of you. And that's hypocritical. If you hide it, you you can't prosper. You can't succeed. The scripture said, but... If you'll confess it and forsake it, you can get truly free yes, sir. That's right. and get rid of this thing from holding you down and holding you back. Yes. And being a blot and a hindrance to you and something that will cause you to lash out and judge other people. You don't want to do any of this anymore. That's right. Is that right, Sansa? Yes. Right. Now notice this in closing. Galatians 5. Galatians 5.22 The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are uh, Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, Let us also walk in the spirit. He's talking about being spiritual. As opposed to being fleshly or carnal. Let us not be desirous of vain glory. Provoking one another. Envying one another. Chapter 6. Verse 1. Brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault. Ye which are spiritual. Do what? Restore such an one. In the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Self-deception. Here's how you can tell who's spiritual and who's not. One of the most spiritual things there is. Is honesty. Honesty. Which is a companion of humility. You show me a humble person. I'll show you an honest person. They go hand in hand. And love. If somebody's overtaken in a problem or a fault or a failure or a sin. What will spiritual people do? They will deal with them how? In a spirit of meekness. Considering themselves, What have I done? Where have I missed it? If it hadn't been for the mercy of the Lord. I'd be doing worse than them. True. Not not just trying to be religious. That's the truth. Right? And what, what do you seek? You're honest about it. You're humble about it. And what else? You seek to restore them. You care about them. You want them to know. No matter how bad they messed up. God will forgive them. Is that right? I've had people look at me with tears and go, but you don't know what I've done, preacher. I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. No matter what you've done, the blood is greater yet. And spiritual people will not judge others because they know their own faults and failures. And they're honest about it. Spiritual people will not be harsh and cruel with others because they love them. They care. They don't want them beat down. Yep. They don't want them run off. Yep. They want them in, yes. restored, yes. lifted up, yes. cleaned up, yes. built up. Yes, is that you? Yes. I said, is that you? Yes. I'd like to believe we got spiritual people yes. in Faith Life Church. Yes. Man, that, that's a weak amen, guys. Yes. I, amen. I, let me go over this again. I like to believe that. Yes. Faith Life Church, we, we have spiritual people. We got, yes. Am I right? Yes. Am I right? Yes. Well, then you will not be one who judges. And you'll be one who is quick to judge yourself and not hide it and cover it up. You'll be honest. You'll be humble. And you'll be kind. And God will use you to help people. You won't just be a finger pointer and a fault finder that makes people feel worse about the deal. But you'll be somebody that God will use in the darkest of situations and he'll put a word in your mouth and he'll put anointing on your life and it'll break through their confusion and condemnation and they'll see a light. And God will use you to restore them. Oh, somebody say restore, restore. Restore, restore. 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 We're not in the destruction business. We're in the restoration business. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's lift up our hands. Let's lift up our hearts. Let's thank the Lord. Lord, we're so thankful. We're so thankful. Hallelujah. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. Lord, we praise you. We bless you. We give you glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you.